This is DWZ Podcast with J-Rod here. Deleted WrestleZone's very own podcast of professional wrestling with AEW, NXT, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance, various promotions, wrestlers, matches, and championships. I am your host, J-Rod here. So, welcome back everybody for another episode here on this podcast. So we got some interesting topics I want to talk about. So, let's talk the first one. Now... I know I've been talking about certain things about NXT that may not like how they're changing, but however, I started to like this one wrestler that really got my attention. I'm talking about Wendy Chu. Now, some of you are saying, why would I like? I like the concept, what they're trying to do. Wendy Chu, all she does is sleep, but when she's re- when someone tries to interrupt her sleep, she looks more like she's ready to kick some ass, and, and I like that. It, it's so great. I... The first time I found out about Wendy Chu, I tried to find out who the hell is she, and then I learned who she really is. Um, it turned out her her formerly name was Karen Q. Um, if you guys remember, she also participated in the Mae Young Classic. I think it was in the second one. But uh, since then, she hasn't been seen until she was repackaged again due to the fact that she was out on injury. She came back as Mi Ying, if you guys remember Tian Shan. Uh, that faction that kind of was in with uh, Boa and Xia Li, um, it was still unclear what was going on. Like, I didn't know who Mia Yin until it turned out it was Karen Q. But recently when Mia, um, Mia Ying left, it was like, okay, what happened to her? And it turns out it was Wendy Chu. And little by little, we've been seeing Wendy Chu making appearances where she sleeps. I'm like, who the hell is this person? I'm like... It was kind of weird, unusual, until that one moment where, of course, Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada were ready to, you know, right now they got the NXT women's tag team titles on their minds until you got Casey Cotanzaro and Kanan Carter, along with Amari Miller, also gunning for those titles. But they were looking for a third partner, both Indy and Persia, and they looked at Tiffany, but... Right behind her, it was Wendy Chu. And I like how Wendy Chu shows up. They're like, who are you? I'm Wendy Chu. Why are you looking at me like a ham sandwich? You know, I thought that was a great moment. But the first time they, they put put her in the ring, that take in-ring action, it was very unusual. Like, she was asleep doing some squats. And I like how Wade Barrett was like, was like what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, and I, I just... I couldn't stop laughing, you know, with his reaction, you know, and then saying she probably had not a lot of or whatever. I thought it was just hilarious, but the way Wendy Chu presented herself was unique and different. You know, I've always talked about how unique wrestlers are when they present their character, and I think Wendy Chu is one of the, the – Wendy Chu falls into that category for me, you know, as a wrestling fan. And then we see her now as, of course – um, how do I say? Recently, she was uh, placed in the singles competition against Amari Miller. Uh, this was more of a match where Tiffany Stratton wants to get rid of her because she thinks that she doesn't belong in NXT. And I thought, and Wade Barrett was a bit like uh, opened up about it, you know, like saying, like, the mantra is, you know, wake up, have a Slurpee, kick ass, go back to bed. I don't think if it works for me, but. It seems like a good lifestyle, you know. And he was like trying to f- figure it out more about her, you know. I mean, look, 
you cannot deny certain things about Wendy when she's in the ring, but the way she's presenting herself is unique, and, and I like that. And I don't, I can't wait to see what else is going on with Wendy. How they're gonna present her with her more. But recently, I I've been I was thinking about this for quite some time, but it was later put out that some people are comparing Wendy Chu as their version of Orange Cassidy in AEW. To be honest with you, no, I don't see the comparison. The only difference is with Orange Cassidy and Wendy Chu is that their characters are a lot different. Let me explain that to everybody. Wendy Chu, all she does is sleep. That's all she does. And when it's she wakes up, she gets a Slurpee, and then she goes back to bed. And that kind of fits into that category. Orange Cassidy, on the other hand, he was more of a... He takes things slow. He just, like, takes his time, his sweet time, until he's ready to kick ass. There's a difference. I don't think people can see that. I did try to... I, I, I thought of that same thing. Like, man, why do I feel like they're trying to turn him into the the Orange Cassidy of NXT. You know, that's what I was thinking about Wendy Chu when I started watching her. But there is no difference. There is a difference between them, but she's not. I, I don't know if that's the case because I know WWE are trying to build up uh, new characters, a younger, uh, a younger, uh, young, new, fr fresh wrestlers. I just didn't, I don't know if this was one of those cases where that was the whole thing, but I don't know. But we'll see what Wendy Chu has in store for all of us to, to enjoy everything she does in the ring. Now, next topic we got is the Good Brothers versus the G.O.D. I'm talking about the Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga and his brother Tonga Loa. Why is this important? Now, keep in mind, if you follow the Bullet Club history, you know. Carl Anderson was one of the original four founders, along with Tama, as members of the Bullet Club, Doc Gallows was later added into the group. But when the Good Brothers left New Japan to go to WWE, that was like, okay, they're going to do good in the tag team division in WWE. That was pretty sweet. I mean, they did a pretty good run, but I don't think it was one of their, they got the best run they should have gotten, you know? And that kind of fits in. Of course, they even tried to pair them as parts of the, you know, of the Valor Club, the the OC, uh, the OC, you know, the club, that sort of thing. That that kind of goes out in its own direction. Like they're trying to build a carbon copy of it, but there's only one original, and that's currently right now going in New Japan. Um, I don't know. It it, it kind of feels that way, but the way it happened after the Good Brothers were released from. WWE, the initial assumption was that we were going to see them go back to Japan. There has been talk that they were planning to return there, but things have changed since then when, um, you know, the coronavirus still taking its toll. And then later they side with, they showed up in Impact Wrestling, and then all of a sudden they side with Kenny. Now, if you follow the storylines right with the Bullet Club, they hate Kenny Omega because they think he was the weakest leader in the Bullet Club. You know, and as a fan, I feel he's right. You know, the elite made the Bullet Club look weak, you know, and they weren't, Kenny didn't care about much about the other members, only the Bucks. And I think that that's what it is. And the G.O.D. were not happy that 
Doc Gallows and um and Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson sided with Kenny, the one person they hate. And they acted like they're still members of the Bullet Club, but they're not. Even Tama was like saying, You guys are not you have no right to use the two sweet. You know, and that kind of goes into its own way. But the recent, one of the more recent interaction that took place in the Coliseum during a New Japan event in LA, the Good Brothers were in a match against uh, John Moxley and Yuji Nagata. They were able to beat them, but the Good Brothers wanted a piece of them. Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows were trying to not fight them like they wouldn't fight their own brothers. But Tatama, it's like you're traitors. You sided with Kenny, so that kind of fits in into that parameter. We're like, you guys side with the enemy, the man that tried to destroy the Bullet Club. So that kind of fits in. And then recently, the Bull the G.O.D. appeared in, of course, in Impact Wrestling. Now they're calling out the Good Brothers, saying that they're coming for their tag titles and there's no more running, no more hiding. It's time to this and that. And I think it tells us, you know, okay, so now that... That now they're gunning for these titles. What does this mean now for all of us? Does this mean that the G.O.D. will finally get their... That the uh, Good Brothers will finally acknowledge that all of this and that? I don't know. But that kind of fits in into in the whole parameter with it. I don't know. But um, it's going to be good. I think this is going to be a feud. But of course, the Good Brothers go out like, We created the Bullet Club. We can easily destroy it. So that kind of goes in its own way, you know, where they want to destroy the Bullet Club now because they're not acknowledging them as, you know, how do I say this, as they should be thanking them, but that's how it's been going with them, so, uh, yeah, but right now, let's, let's wait what's going to happen, as you know, there will be, the Good Brothers will put the tag titles on the line in No Surrender, and I can't wait to see that match. You know, it's going to be a ball buster match the way I, I'm going to predict it. So let's move on to the next topic. The next one, more information has been coming out of WWE of certain things. Now let's talk about the first one that come around. Let's talk about the Women's Royal Rumble. Now, if you guys remember or recall, the Women's Royal Rumble, I, I have to say the Women's Royal Rumble for this year was uh, better than the men's because that whole thing with the men's rumble was a effing disaster for me. I'm like, what the fuck is this? But I have to say, when I saw the women's, it's better. But let's talk about more about the women's. If you guys remember, I think maybe a month prior or maybe early in the month or something, I don't know, WWE announced that they did not have enough women in the women's Royal Rumble. Now, they could have used the women from NXT but they didn't. They called in wrestlers who used to be part of the beat, like, for example, the Bella Twins, um, Mickey James, who in fact was the Impact, the who is currently the Impact Knockouts Champion, and who else? They had Lita, uh, Ivory, Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly. All of that, I have to say, it was great to see that. But I mean. Because of that, the reason that happened was because of the massive waves of cuts that they took place. And I thought it was really fucked up of them to do that. They screwed themselves out of that. But however, there was more information coming out about the Women's Rumble. 
it just revealed that they had three other wrestlers that were there, but they never used them. I'm talking about Caitlyn. If you guys remember Caitlyn with that whole controversy, that old story with uh, AJ and then later Big E. That was pretty good. And there's Ascana and, of course, Jillian Hall. Reports were saying that uh, they were at the Rumble, but they never used them. And that kind of like, dude, the reason they never used them was due to the lack of changes. See, this is what I don't like. They keep ch they're they changing things at the last minute. And you see, if I'm making a plan, guys, like right now, when I when I do one of these things with you guys, do a podcast episode, I try to plan out what I want to talk about. I don't change it at the last minute. I write it down before, like either starting after the ep this episode, and that's how I, I, it works for me. I it takes me a week to plan. And I don't know how why WWE do these lack of changes, and it pisses me off that they do this. And pff, that's what happened. But there was also talk that they were, the women were boycotting that they don't want to do the Rumble because TJ Wilson, or as we know him as Tyson Kidd, wasn't there. Uh, now, if you guys don't know what I'm referring to, he's been very instrumental with the women's division down in, in this. And he wasn't involved in the Rumble for some reason. Like, involved, like, helping them out. And they were upset. Now, there was no indications about TJ Wilson, whether if he was fired or that. There's still no specific reasons why he wasn't there. And that was kind of like, okay, what was what was going on there? But they brought in Fit Finley all the way from the NXT brand to take his place. So it was very unusual for that to happen, but... We'll see what happens. Hopefully, think we find out what's going on with TJ Wilson. I really like to know what's going on there. Now, related to WWE here, Mustafa Ali, as you know, recently he requested his release from the company. I have to say, we haven't seen him for quite some time. I mean, look, he's a fantastic wrestler, very talented. I like Mustafa Ali, but one thing that really screwed up is how they utilized him when they were doing retribution i'm like what the fuck is going on here you know and they kept changing things they were like remember he was the hacker who was involved in that thing that kind of put it out in the way where you know i don't know why they dropped that and then this and that that kind of puts us in limbo you know so i don't know what was going on with that but Mustafa Ali, as you know, he wants to be released, but according to information, he has one more year left in his contract. However, WWE said that they were not going to release him due to they say he's a valuable talent. Now, this is the part that gets me questioned. Okay, if he's a valuable talent, then why are you in the fucking hell are not using him? You said he's valuable. Why are you not using him? That, that to me, I question it. But they also said, no creative plans. I'm like, no shit, Sherlock's. Of course you don't have any creative plans. Because you guys have too many fucking writers, they can't even decide. You know, that's the problem. I feel that they, they're they wasting his time. Now, I, I would say, yes, they should have released him. But if they're saying he has one more year in his contract, I think this could work in Mustafa's favor. If he thought about this through. If you guys don't know what I'm referring to, I'll tell you. Mustafa Ali, if you guys remember, John Moxley, Kyle O'Reilly, and Johnny Gargano, their contracts already expired. However, this is the best part. 
if they allow their contracts to expire, they do not get no compete clause. Think, think about it. If he waits that long, he doesn't have to, you know, wait 30, wait 90 days. He can work with any company he wants. So we'll see how that goes. If he thought about that, hopefully he did, but I would love to see that. So let's just wait and see what Mustafa Ali does, and hopefully we get more information. Now, let's talk about this thing that's been going on with stardom. I have to say this is the most interesting story that's been building up for quite some time. I'm talking about this mysterious woman that has been making some noise recently. Now, for all of you guys who are listening, you probably ask yourself, what is going on there? Let's go back from the beginning. Last month of January of this year, Saya Kamitani went to Rossi Ogawa's office asking for a match against Kota Ibushi. Now, let me stop right here. I know what you people are thinking right now. You're saying, that's going to be an interesting match. I mean, if they allowed it, yes. But that's besides the point. What happened is, Saya Kamitani wanted this match, but however, Rossi Ogawa was busy with this mysterious woman right in front of him. She has no clue who it was. Rossi Ogawa told her, do not speak of what she saw. She goes outside, and she's like, wasn't sure what to make of it. She acted like, like something is about to happen. Next uh, video they clipped is where she decided to talk once again to Rossi Ogawa to have her match against Kota Ibushi. Once again, Rossi Ogawa got distracted by the mysterious woman who called him, saying that uh, she's at the venue waiting for him, and it, it kind of infiltrated Kamitani, knowing that this woman's getting in the way. So she didn't know what is going on. Now, I did talk about Momokogo. Uh... As you know, she made her appearance. Sayakamitani was there, and she kind of whispered to Kokomomo in her ear, telling her what she saw. She said that she was going to keep her mouth shut, and that's what she did. Next video they showed, Rossi Ogawa called her up, asking her, what did you tell Momo Kogo? He said, it, was something, it wasn't this. I, I was telling her something else. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. So she stayed right there watching. She's trying to find out who is this mysterious woman. So Kamitan, so Rossi told her, keep your mouth shut. So that's what she did. I, she possibly saw who it was. Now, here's where the, much of the fun part begins. I don't know what Saya Kamitani was thinking. Momokogo makes already had her debut match. She joined Stars. There was a eight woman tag team match. We have Cosmic no no Queen's Quest consistent of course Kamitani along with Utami, uh, Azumi and Lady C taking on the members of Stars consistent of uh, Mayu, Azuki and Koguma and of course Momo was there. However, Momo was on the verge of spilling the beans, telling everybody that she knows a secret. She was about to reveal who it was that she that Saya Kamitani has been trying not that was told to keep her mouth shut. And she tried to beat the crap out of her and Momo tried to tell her, spill the beans, say it, say it. 
and of course, when the rest of Queen's Quest saved her from opening her mouth, they're, they're like, shut up. You know, like, like, like literally say, just try, go, shh, like, shut up. Don't, don't say a word. So I thought that was hilarious. And then the next episode, Momo was out, you know, doing her own thing. And of course, she was approached by Unagi Sayaka, who was in fact her welcome wagon. She was her first opponent that she had when she first arrived in stardom. I don't know exactly what they're saying because there was no subtitles, but I can tell you this. It appears right now that Unagi maybe wants to know who is this mysterious woman that Saya Kamitani is keeping her mouth shut for. So, Momoko kind of whispered in her ears using a cone, and I have to say it was like very interesting. And then, right in the back, you see Kamitani was right there, pay, listening what's going on. I don't know if she's worried about, you know, that they're about to ruin whatever Rossi Ogawa had it in mind. So when that happened, uh, she was like saying, what are you trying to do? Open your mouth about. And then here comes Rossi Ogawa. I, I think he looks kind of pissed that maybe what that Sayakamatani lied to him about. I did not say anything, you know. Leave it to Kamitani. Try to open the beans. So I thought it was insane about it. But here's the thing. Recently, Saya Kamitani was in a match with, uh, with Natsupoi before their big match. She whispered in her ear. And I'm like thinking, did she told her what she saw? I'm like, another spreading rumors of what's happening, you know? I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, even Azuki wanted to know from Momokogo, what did she know? And even Rossi Ogawa showed up. Looks like he was uh, looking for Momokogo. I'm not sure. So basically, it's like, okay, Rossi Ogawa is trying to stop from spreading the rumors. Who is this mysterious woman? So <laughs> I, I, I think I love this whole story with this mysterious woman. Now, you ask me right now, okay, J-Rod, it's a fantastic story. What does this mean? Well... There is a possibility that someone we know who was a big star in WWE, even though she should have been bigger right from for, recently, I'm talking about the mysterious woman, could be Kari Sane. Yes, you heard me right, Kari Sane. Now, for all of you WWE loyalists who like saying, J-Rod, that's a load of shit. She'll never go to stardom. Uh, do you guys forget that she actually was from there? She was one of the three aces along with Mayu Iwatani and Io Shirai. Yes, there's been talk about this. Now, I want to explain why. When Bushiroad purchased stardom uh, back in 2018 and 2019, they were planning to buy back Io Shirai and... Kari Sane, and they wanted to put her put them back, and that kind of fits in why. But however, uh, Kari Sane was sent to Japan when she got married, and WWE made her be the ambassador in the Japanese division. Uh, but as you know, the Japanese division down there has closed its doors because they 
or doing rounds of cuts, but I believe they're doing that because not a lot of the Japanese wrestlers are interested in WWE, that sort of thing. And that I think that's plays out. And Kyrie saying, I don't know, that was the thing. Does this mean she loses her job? But recently, but here's the thing that really becomes interesting. When Saya Kamitani was being questioned about what she told Momokogo, Rossi Ogawa gave a little hint. Your contract will soon will be expired. The reports were indicating last month in January that Saya Kamitani's contract will be expired within the end of the month. And I'm like thinking, wait a minute. Could it really be Kyrie Singh? Should she come back? Me, I'm kind of like curious to say yes. I would love to see that. I would love to see Kyrie Singh. Now, here's the thing that becomes more interesting from fans about this when they, they're hearing about maybe it's a possibility Kyrie Singh could come back. Where does she fit into this whole thing? Well, one person pointed out something, and I have to agree, and I feel I would love to see it. I would like Kyrie Sane to join Queen's Quest. Think about it. She was close to Io Shirai before she was moved up to the main roster. And to me, I feel like Kyrie Sane should be the next leader of Queen's Quest. Not to uh, throw away Utami Hajashida for what she's doing now as a leader, but I feel that Kyrie Sane has more of the experience than all the other women of Queen's Quest. They need a strong leader because right now, Momo Kogo, Abnami Momo Wananabe turned on them and joined Odatai. Now think about it. Momo Wananabe wants to see the demise of Queen's Quest. Now think about it. What if Kyrie Sang becomes the new leader saying, I'm here to save you guys, to make Queen's Quest the baddest queens ever. I would like to see that, you know. Hopefully that's what we can see because it's not a coincidence that we're seeing this happening with Saya Kamitani. Saya is, in fact, a member of Queen's Quest, and she's the current uh, World of, uh, the Wonder of Stardom champion, a.k.a. the White Belt, and I would like to see that. So well, let's just wait and see what happens, and we go from there. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, of course, recently this news has come around yes, uh, yesterday on my lap, we have Danielle Camella, formerly known as Vanessa Bourne. If you guys remember her, Vanessa Bourne was in NXT for a while. Uh, the latest news came around is that she was at the AEW Dark tapings. Yes. After almost a ye almost months we haven't heard from her since she was released from WWE, uh, she is showed up at the AEW Dark tapings. So... And she was in a match against R Marina Shafir, uh, Sharif. Uh, don't know when we'll see that match, but I can't wait to see it. Now, let's talk about her career. As you know, she was with WWE from 2016 to 2021. She was in NXT from there. Uh, she actually been uh, paired up with, uh, with Aaliyah and all of this and that. And, of course, she, did, she was called into the main roster in January 2020. Uh, but was never used ever since then uh, for almost a year. We fans have been waiting. When are we going to see her? That was the thing. But she was released on May 9th, May 19th of 2021. 
So we never saw her at the main roster. I'm like, what the fuck was that all about? Why had they wasted their time with her? That pissed me off from there. But many fans, uh, fans who supported Vanessa were not too pleased how this thing, they took their anger out on WWE saying, what the fuck, you know, that sort of thing. Vanessa Bourne was trying to say, look, guys, I'm grateful for my time there. I'm, I know you guys are disappointed. But she never indicated what was her plans. Like, is she going back to wrestling? Is she planning to go to uh, other companies? That is still in open air. Now, I know what you guys are thinking when I mentioned she made appearance at the AEW Dark tapings. You already think in your back of your heads that, of course, she's going to be signed with AEW. No, uh, that doesn't work that way. You see, AEW Dark has now been a tool for them to scout new talent if they're if they can throw in a good performance. And I have to say, this is a genius move. This is exactly what they're going to do. Basically, they're going to have all these wrestlers that go to AW Dark. If Tony Khan likes what he sees, then yes, we'll talk about a possible contract with AEW. So hopefully she does put out a good impression on many fans what she did. Um, if not, then we'll probably see her somewhere else. But right now, I believe that, you know, uh, she'll be fine. Hopefully, she'll be signed somewhere. But if it's not with AEW, it could be with anybody like Impact Wrestling or somewhere. But, uh, but yeah. So, good luck to you, um, Daniela Camella, and hope to see you soon. So, I think that's pretty much it, what we got with everybody. Hope everybody enjoys this episode. So do I. I... You know, all of this and that. So stay tuned for my upcoming um, YouTube channel episode that I'm going to throw in soon. Uh, as To keep everybody in mind, I am going to review the latest New Japan event, New uh, New Year's Golden Series, which I'm excited for. And, of course, we got AEW Dark Elevation. And, of course, we got I'm going to do two recent uh, past uh, events from last year from the month of August. So I'm excited to do all of that. But for now, I'll see you guys later on the next podcast time, on the next podcast channel. I must bid all of you adieu. So goodbye. Mwah. And have a nice day. Bang!